Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You're with Joe Hoff on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning and welcome back to the Joe Hoff Show. If you're if you're here in the U.S., uh, uh, thanks for listening in. If you're around the world, uh, thanks for listening in. And good evening or good night, whatever situation it might be for you. Good afternoon. Thanks for listening to the Joe Hoff Show. Lots going on. We've got a great guest today. Our friend Brandon House will be joining us. I've been on his show a number of times. It's kind of a uh, a reverse of roles uh, and, a, and a flip of the script as uh, I'll be asking Brandon his thoughts on what's going on, the state of the nation and all sorts of stuff uh, around the world. Brandon's been really tremendous in his work he's with Lindell TV and his own his own uh, station too that he's been running for years. The guy's been in the media online for years and um, fighting for the truth. And so it'll be really fun to talk to him. He's got a lot going on as well. So that's coming up after the break. But uh, lots going on in the news. I was going to mention a couple things. One is there's a, there's been on on a maybe local statewide level election level. There's been a big a big story coming out of Michigan, and it and it's starting to play out. And you can start to see both sides. At first, it was murky. I think. And even President Trump has been brought into this. And I think the uh, murkiest uh, grabbed Trump and put him uh, looks like on the wrong side of the uh, uh, of the wrong side of the issue. And this has happened before. President Trump, I would say, always, if not almost always, gets it right in the end. And um, so what's going on in Michigan is that an individual by the name of Christina Karama was voted in as the head of the GOP, the head of the Republican party in the state. She uh, won by a majority, probably let's say around 60% is my understanding in the initial votes. There's all, but it's always my understanding as, as well is that there's always, that's about the result. Usually somebody wins by a majority, but it's not a huge amount. Um, one individual that won the state of Michigan head of the GOP in the past is Rana Romney McDaniel, uh, Mitt Romney's niece, who now is the head of the RNC, the National Republican National uh, uh, Party. So that's uh, kind of a big role. It's led to a big position for Ronna McDaniel anyways. And she's been horrible. She's a nightmare. And her uncle, by the way, Mitt Romney's uh, one of the biggest snakes in all of Congress on either side of the aisle. He's just nasty. He's marched with the Women's March. He's been horrible and saying things about Trump before he first ran and since. So there was a period of time there that was really nice to Trump, and that was when he was vying for a st- secretary of state position. And there was even pictures of Romney and Trump meeting together for lunch or dinner, and um, Romney looked rather sheepishly. And then, lo and behold, uh, Trump didn't pick him, thank God. And then he just was a monster ever since. Being the one lone senator, as I'm as I can recall, at least one senator that voted for uh, President Trump's impeachment. Just a nasty guy, nasty all the way around. Uh, to me, a tremendous liar because he's not a conservative. That's clear. He's running as a Democrat. His dad won the state of uh, Massachusetts uh, as governor, and then Mitt, or, or of Michigan as governor, and then Mitt won Michigan's governor as a Republican. Um, the thing is, uh, lots of questions with Romney. 
and just a nasty guy. He's another one of these guys that's the son of a politician that just turns into just a monster, whether whether it be Liz Cheney, who's a daughter of Dick Cheney, or the Bushes, Jeb Bush, or you know, Sununu, the governor, current governor of uh, New Hampshire, is just a snake. Just these guys are just rotten. And um and you see it, you see it everywhere. So, anyways, that's uh that's uh, Mitt Romney and his niece. So it must be his brother or sister's. Uh, it must be his brother's daughter because her maiden name's Romney. Um, is got this position in in the Republican GOP in Michigan, and then uh, then uh, that led to the current position that she's in now, where she's just failed tremendously. Been very silent on election integrity. Uh, plays the line is not a good representative of the people uh she's a, she's a representative of the elites and that's what we're seeing and that's what has come out this uh yesterday and I broke it at joehoff.com and I want to I want to share this cuz this is big stuff so what happened was um Romney moves on to the national level and it was after and I've talked to some people from Michigan that said after 2016 Trump won Michigan the first uh Republican to win Michigan in years and uh, if maybe if not decades and they gave a lot of the uh, accolades to Romney uh, McDaniel, and that led to her position as the head of the Republican Party nationwide. But if you talk to people that were there, she really had very little to do with it. There were some real drivers, uh, these these great uh, women, mostly, that, uh, that loved President Trump, that worked really hard to ensure that they didn't steal his election in Detroit in 2016. And their work uh, helped and 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 helped Trump to win the state by a, by a pretty good size, enough that uh, they couldn't steal it after the election in a recount. So great work to people, but not necessarily Ronna McDaniel at all. But she took the credit and she stepped into this big role, no doubt with the help of her uncle, Mitt Romney. So what that fast forward to just a couple of years ago in Michigan, they have another vote for the new GOP head and it's Christina Karama. Christina takes over and uh, she's the first black uh, head of the Republican party that I'm aware of in Michigan, as well as the first black woman. Not that it matters, she's just a fireball. She was there at the uh, uh, election in Detroit. Uh, she has given affidavits and testimonies and saw the wrongdoing that happened there. So she's been a real staunch supporter of election integrity. She ran for Secretary of State in 2022, and I believe her election was stolen, and therefore she was available to run for the head of the GOP, and she won. The people wanted her. So what happened recently was there's this, and, and since the start, the big money donors, the elites, they don't like Christina. She represents the people, and they believe, the rhinos believe they run the party, this uniparty that they believe is theirs, that they should have countrywide. And they're trying to do so in most states. We're finding this out. Most of the leadership in the GOP across the country are really uh, snake uh, charmers and and uh, rhinos and uniparty members that aren't for the people. They're for the uniparty and the establishment. This thing that we are fighting against, this thing that President Trump helped uncover through his actions over the past uh, eight years. So anyways, uh, Christina wins, but the Big dollar donors aren't behind them. Betsy DeVos, for example, the DeVos families in Michigan, they haven't been very supportive. Christina, some other billionaires out there, not supportive of the GOP with Christina in charge. They want somebody else in charge. Well, there was this big push recently in December to get rid of Christina, uh, an effort to... Uh, 
and towards late December around Christmas. Really, let's get rid of Christina. We have to get rid of her. Uh, stories written about her. And uh, and some people sent me some information. I put up some information at my website. And that led to an event that uh, occurred on January uh, 6th you know, on a Saturday in Michigan where a minority of GOP uh, delegates got together, some um, representing other delegates, and they voted that Christina Ramo should be relieved. And immediately the people backing Christina said, this isn't legit. It's just not fair. I had an interview with Christina. We talked about it. We'll have to get her on this show to tell the whole story. It's unbelievable. But uh, the following week was actually the 13th of January is when the entire uh, delegation was supposed to get together to vote and, to, and address the same topic. Well, lo and behold, some of those individuals that were there the week before in a separate, uh, what they say, unsanctioned meeting uh, to get rid of Karamo, which, by the way, as soon as it happened, mainstream media was there to report this news. Uh, Karamo's been been uh, removed, blah, blah, blah. And uh, others like Laura Loomer was on the side of this group uh, pointing out these flaws with Christina Karamo on Twitter. And Laura's got a pretty pretty big backing there on Twitter and uh, and the year of some pretty high ups, even maybe perhaps President Trump. On the 13th, the vote was something like 60 to 1, maybe 59 to 1. The delegates in attendance all agreed Christina Caramo is our head of the GOP in Michigan. And so she stays. This is the majority of uh, delegates in the state. And she's uh, legally in this role, according to this, this group and the, and, the, and the party, the GOP of Michigan. In the meantime, President Trump has uh, jumped in, and he's uh, he's been, I guess he said something. I haven't seen it, but I thought I heard something like he shared a tweet or something on the issue saying that this former representative, Pete Huckstra, should take over the party. Well, Pete Huckstra, we find out, was a, was a backer of John Kasich, who ran against Trump in 2016. And Kasich was a nut job. He was great maybe years ago, but during his run, he was crazy. He got in front of the media and ate like a like a pig at a trough once. It was just like so, so unprofessional and such a big mistake. Kasich was done, but he stuck around the election forever. Well, this Pete Hostra was behind him and a former U.S. rep and also happens to be behind the Patriot Act and even helped support the Patriot Act and keep it in place under, during the Obama years, where we now know that Obama was spying on all of us. He switched the act around, no longer focus on a real terrorists. We're going to focus on Americans and make up terrorists, namely conservatives that don't like Barack Obama destroying our country. So... So suddenly Pete Huckstra gets thrown in the circle and we're like, what is going on? Well, this last night I received some information from a source that it may be all related to Ronnie, Ronna, Romney McDaniel. What happened was there was a there's a property that's owned by the Michigan GOP that uh, there's questions about that they've loaned large sums of money against, apparently in the past, a line of credit maybe attached to it, through a bank. And as Christina Caramo came on board and tried to get information on this, uh, this information was withheld from her. So she filed a case in early December against this other entity that claims to have some sort of ownership in this property. 
And in that, and and in this filing, which I reported at this morning at uh, JoeHoff.com, you can see that Ronna McDaniel was right in the middle of it because Ronna was the head of the GOP in Michigan in 2015 when all of this was going on. So we're trying to get to the bottom of what's going on, and it appears that Ronna McDaniel is trying to get behind get Christina Caramo removed because Christina is looking in to some perhaps even fraudulent activity in Michigan that occurred back in 2015 and 16 and 17 when Ronna Romney McDaniel was running the GOP in the in the state. So lots more to come. I'm hearing there's a there's this is not just isolated. This is happening across the country. We heard last week about Carrie Lake and how she was uh, she was asked by the head of the GOP in Arizona not to run for Senate, maybe even bribed in order not to run. And and we're seeing that this all may be connected. So more to come on this. This is breaking news at the Joe Hoff show. More to come. This all may be connected, and Ronna McDaniel might be in the middle of it all. And if so, uh, we have got to get to the bottom of this to find out really what is going on, not just in the state of Michigan. Why are they attacking Christine Caramo, who is just a really well-versed, well out uh, well he knows a lot about the elections and she's she's just a great speaker why are they going after her it looks like the 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 story here leads back to ronna mcdaniel ronna romney mcdaniel so more will be forthcoming on that i'm sure in the near future but that's the state of the union that's what's going on it's not just in michigan it's in arizona it's across the country i'm here in south carolina all this shenanigans by this uniparty to keep the power, to keep in place, because we, the Americans, want the power. We are the ones that are guaranteed via the Constitution to run this country, not the uniparty, not the Democrats, not the World Economic Forum, and, and not any of these other monsters out there that are in China that are trying to take over this country. So lots of work to do. We're going to have more on this, I'm sure, in the in the, in the uh, days ahead. But uh, something to keep your eye on. And you can go to JoeHoff.com to get the information on that. We'll be right back after this with our good friend, Granite House. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics how to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare, how to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics, and whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help their population. populations. We start with the history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to 
be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now, or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. And we are back. This is Joe Hoff Show. Uh, we'll have Brandon House here with us in, in, in momentarily. Um, another big story that's out uh, this morning, in, in my opinion, anyways, is is in Georgia. We've been talking about the corrupt Secretary of State there and how corrupt the elections are there and how absolutely corrupt the 2020 election was there. I mean, literally, there were some IT experts that Rudy Giuliani had in uh, in 2020 after the election. I believe it was early December a month after the election where these guys laid it out they said we looked at these results and they don't you know they're they're obviously there's fraud what they said is normally if we see a greater than 75 percent voter turnout in a precinct well then something's wrong usually it's fraud and if it's greater than 90 percent it's like pretty much absolutely fraud there's there's something going on they're they're flooding votes in there and, and counting for people and in fulton county alone which is the where Atlantis located they had something like a hundred precincts with greater than 90 percent uh voter turnout some to a hundred percent voter turnout which is impossible saying every single voter showed up something wasn't right we knew it we knew that these guys said based on their analysis up to a million ballots in the 2020 election and in, in uh, the state were were likely fraudulent you know we can't say for sure because we don't have all the information but there is a certain sign and i can relate to this because i'm a professional auditor i did audits around the world this stuff's nothing but you know some of it's just really basic stuff and and what you do in an audit and as i laid out in my second book on the steel is you you uh first thing is you do analysis of the results and you would see this kind of stuff and that's what i did in this second book after really noting all the uh really crimes that prevented us from getting to a proper uh, uh, vote tally in 2020 in multiple states. I then jumped into the anomalies and, and then even into some of the things that we saw within the data where there were patterns that never should have been there. How can you have a, you know, a, a, a direct line in, in supposedly random data that's, uh, that's, uh, that indicates 
that you know all for one part one candidate in this case joe biden this one lady in in uh, michigan spoke about it she saw that ballots were coming in that they were counting that looked like they were carbon copies that had voter registration number after number that were all sequential and the odds of that happening of two people probably one and i don't know how many million of a string of people in a row uh absolutely impossible and that's the results that we saw we saw that in the final results of the election too a statistician said the odds of one of these states after trump being so far ahead on election night coming back and winning for biden was like one in a you know billion or something when you multiply that by four or five states where this happened michigan wisconsin georgia pennsylvania arizona when you multiply it like that it's it, it was it was basically impossible statistically absolutely impossible so this is the stuff that we saw and um massive corruption in georgia and atlanta especially and we now had this halderman uh incident here a couple weeks ago for in front of the court this uh michigan professor points out that these machines with a pen you cannot you can basically unlock them in seven seconds and then you have total control of not only that machine but the entire perhaps system and this is this you know this is fine this is not fine this is the way in in the corporate world you shut this stuff down so what's going on there well there's been an effort to try to try to investigate uh Brad Raffensperger the Secretary of State in Michigan or in, in Georgia who certified these results with all these anomalies he said everything's fine he still stands by it he even wrote a book called about integrity so disgusting such a such as really a snake in the grass and um anyways um there was then an effort to investigate him through the uh through the uh, Georgia uh, board of elections and then there was this 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 one individual by the name of Mashburn his last uh the last hurrah was to push this to the legislature say well I don't know if we're going to investigate him or not push this to the legislature to see if we can of course they could the legislature now it is noted last night a committee last week passed a bill that allows the uh, this Georgia uh, elections board to look at the Secretary of State and investigate a Secretary of State and that apparently was passed by the Senate just uh, a day or two ago so it looks like there may be an investigation of Raffensperger after all and a true investigation is going to find massive fraud I've indicated this before on the show massive massive fraud if done right and and you know what as a professional auditor uh, this the you know the, there's there's certain steps that you take and they're so logical and they're so simple and it doesn't take it just takes somebody with common sense to lay down and you wouldn't know it if you weren't an auditor perhaps because as an auditor doing a number of audits around the world all kinds it's kind of a sequence of steps that you follow but it's all common sense and if and if if common sense was followed they'd find massive massive I'd say fraud in the 2020 election in Georgia and that's forthcoming as well and perhaps that'll be found out in this investigation with Raffensperger again if they do the job because 
that's the dilemma here. We need investigators that will do the job, that will be honest, that will have integrity, and not this false integrity that Raffensperger talks about, where he claims to be this this uh, this man who 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 knows uh, integrity more than anybody else. That's why he pushed through a million ballots that are in question. I mean, it's insanity what we've put up with, and and we all know it. We all sat back. We all expected something to happen because it was so clear so so obvious across the board in multiple states what's going on here and uh yet nothing happened and so um that was the biggest shock i think of the 2020 election was the aftermath and the effort that they took to cover all this up and i write about that in my third book on the steel which you can get at amazon today you can get all three of my books the third book is what really hit me it was kind of scary it's like our, D, our, our law enforcement wasn't there for us. The Department of Justice and FBI, they totally dropped the ball. They were just so disgustingly uh, dishonest about the results of the 2020 election and about any investigation that they were involved in. Uh, we've got uh, the legislatures that wouldn't listen to Rudy when he was there. He said, Rudy told me personally and in an interview on this, on this show that... Um, well, there was two or three of these rhinos in every single state that weren't going to change their mind. And because of that, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't They couldn't get anything done through the legislatures. Lots of work, thousand affidavits across the board. And yet these people wouldn't listen, these monsters that uh, are definitely on the other side, the side of the uniparty against the people. And um, so that didn't work. We had the courts. People tried the courts. And I think one of our guests said it best and she's from italy and she said when the u.s supreme court said that they couldn't look at the texas case because of lack of standing and president trump is one of the members in this texas case as well as something like 26 or 7 states it's like well if we don't have standing there then we never will and and then nobody has standing in this government it was so appalling what our supreme court did and our guest from italy uh, Guia uh, Mariani said, well, you know, thanks to the Supreme Court, we've had the Ukraine explode, Israel explode. We've got potential explosion going on down between Venezuela and Guyana. And we've got a potential warfare, you know, sitting there between China and Taiwan. So thanks to the Supreme Court, they've allowed this, they've allowed now the open border and Joe Biden to come in. But not only that, but then they come and they back it up uh, last week with another bogus ruling from the Supreme Court saying, yeah, you got to take down the barbed wire. You got to let these people cross into America. That is insanity at best. And it's just um, unbelievable. Thank God the people of Texas are standing up saying enough. And um, so, Anyways, maybe we will get some justice, maybe someday, maybe. Right now, we don't. We don't have it in this country. And uh, But it'd be great to investigate Raffensperger. As a matter of fact, I should uh, write the uh, Senate and the House and that, uh, uh, that uh, elections board and let them know I'd be happy uh, to help out in any investigation related to the 2020 election in that state because it is and was a mess. And they're still using these elections uh, system software, these Dominion machines that uh, that Halderman pointed out two weeks ago. You just put a put a pin, grab a pin, pop it in there, just 
pop it into the machine, hold it there for seven seconds, boom, all of a sudden you've got control over not just that machine, but maybe the entire system and you can steal the, you can do whatever you want because that's what our federal government reported after, after in Georgia on the machines that were used in Georgia, our federal government, the CISA said these machines are not secure, a bad actor could hack in, and once hacked in, they could steal an election. This is why I say, and, and this is in David uh, Clement's uh, new movie, which you can find at www.letmypeoplego.movie. If you go there, you can see and listen to me share at the end, or in the middle of the movie, basically, that, hey, this election was stolen because it never should have been certified. It's it's it never should have. And I've had I've talked with Harry Hari, who's also in that movie, an expert on Hava and other uh, other acts that are out there about uh, the election. And he too saying this election never should have been certified. It's against the law, and these people broke the law by not by certifying this election. So all sorts of stuff going on there. We'll have more coming up here soon. But uh, let me pause there for a moment and introduce our our guest and. And really, my my good friend uh, from I believe he's in uh, Memphis. I'm not sure, but Brandon House is with us now. House is in the house. Brandon, welcome to the Joe Hoff Show. <laughs> Great to be with you this morning. Thank you, Joe. Sorry, I'm a bit late. No problem. You know, better don't you that saying I use all the time. Better late than never, right? So. Most of my events are that way. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, Brandon, what's going on? I mean, you you interview so many people on a daily basis, really experts in the field. Um, just a great show that you have in the evenings uh, right now on, on Lindell TV and your, your own show that you've been running for years. What's got you most concerned about the state of the nation today? The Convergence. That's a great question. It's the convergence of so many things at one time. There's not one issue alone. It's the convergence of so many issues at the same time. I, I can go through them real quick. We, of course, obviously have the issue with the economy, uh, the liquidity of the banks. The liquidity of the banks is something that we started talking about years ago, obviously, as most people did with quantitative easing and whatnot. And then it kind of went off the radar after 2008, things supposedly supposedly started getting better. But about 20, the end of 2019, I began to notice reading some of the financials that the what was known as the repo market, which you would know as, as an accountant of Fortune 500 companies, that that repo market, those overnight loans between banks and the feds was, was um, needing to have liquidity injected into it to a large sum. And I said to my audience, I think we're going to see another liquidity problem with the banks. And this was in late 2019. And then all of a sudden, what did we see? Something that those of us who like you and others who are tuned in knew what might be coming, which was the pandemic. Because you and I and others were covering that in late 2019 because we were tracking what was happening in China. So those of us in in professional business of the of, of broadcast, a lot of us knew what was going on in China because we're China watchers, right? And I knew what was going on in China also because I was talking to people from China uh, that were here in the US and they were telling us what was going on over there. So we kind of knew it was coming and then, but not to that degree, right? And then it unfolds in early 2020. And then what do you see? COVID and the banks and the liquidity they got and all this COVID money is like, wah, la, they fixed the, the liquidity problem with the largest infusion, some of the largest infusion of cash 
we'd ever seen. So one has to wonder if the whole COVID thing wasn't just about election steal, but a giant financial raping of the treasury. And then you, so you have that problem. Now that problem is back. Now coming up March 11th, they're supposedly gonna turn off this bank funding program, March 11th. Will they really do it? If they do, there will be some major, you know, some, some regional banks that will fail, according to you know, people like Rebecca Walzer and others. In fact, she'll be in our studio today uh, with us coming in and all night tonight for about an hour and a half, she'll be on talking about these issues and taking calls. But if that, if that issue of turning off that government money stops on March 11th, as the feds have announced, and they don't reverse course, you're gonna have some regional banks starting to fail. Is that the goal? Let some of these banks fail so the bigger bank can gobble them up. So there's the liquidity issue. There's the massive inflation issue. Um, I, I saw a report yesterday about how far does $100,000 go? And if you live in certain cities on the East Coast and the West Coast, you are in the negative. You, you, your ability to save is in the negative if you make $100,000 a year. If you're in like San Francisco and a few New York and places like this. Ironically, Memphis, I live outside of Memphis, doesn't get a lot of good news. We don't, we get trashed on in the media, but Memphis turned out to be the cheapest city to live in. That if you make $100,000, you can save $40,000 a year. But that just shows you, again, the disparity in this country, what's happening in this large population of people on the East Coast and the West Coast who are going mm -hmm. under. So I would add the economic issue. Then I would start talking about what's going on with World War III, which has already started, the border, terrorism. I mean, it is a convergence of things, Joe. Well, yeah, and I was going to say, you got a couple extra bedrooms in that place of yours. We might be moving to Mi uh, Memphis here in the near future. Uh, sounds sounds like a great place to be. <laughs> well, it, it has its it has its downfalls. Don't get me wrong, but you know, w w crime in Memphis is what everybody talks about. Uh, but of course, it's per capita. We our crime really is is very would be very similar to St. Louis, Kansas City, Chicago, you know, Los Angeles, any major city, right? It's just that yeah. we have that per capita, which puts us up top there. But reality is most of the crime, the serious, serious crime is is black on black. It's gangs, it's gang related. So mm -hmm. it's it's people who live in the suburbs and go into work. Most of them, you know, they're fine. Are their cars being broken into at a higher level now? I think that's going on across the country. And that's another thing. You're going to yeah. see a spike in crime as we've already started to see, right? And, and, and it's not about any particular people group because if you live in Arizona or Memphis or on the East Coast, whatever dominant people group is, obviously their their crime rate probably is what is dominant because it's that people group living there. So I don't see it as a, a racial issue. I see it as a just a people issue. But um, we're going to see crime spike like this country has never seen. That's part of the plan. Uh, they're letting people do this so that I believe we will agree to go to CBDC. So you will not be able to get into a store until they know it's you. And then the door will open. You go in and you buy your goods. And if you want to steal, go ahead. Because as soon as you go out the door, all your groceries are going to be credited onto your CBDC account anyway. You probably won't even have to stop at the cashier's off at the desk. So there won't be any shoplifting because A, you didn't get in until you were verified and had your ID. And B, as soon as you walked out with the good, it went onto your car, it went onto your card. So this is all I think processing us for uh, making us say problem is so bad, we'll all agree to this. Same thing with the illegals flooding in. How are you going to deal with this? How are you going to see that little children 
and they'll use the little children as as the as the uh, heartstring to pull on the heartstrings. How are the little children, the families, going to get their their health care and 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 their payments right? Well, and not double dip. Well, get everybody registered with biometrics. So they're going to, and then how can we go back and forth between countries with such a porous border? Biometrics. So they will create one crisis after another until people agree to this. Let the banks start having serious problems and massive, massive inflation, and people will willingly uh, take on a CBDC and digital ID. Uh, and they'll throw, hey, maybe we'll throw $2,000 into your account. What's it matter if you've moved over to modern monetary theory and are just creating the digits? Yeah, uh, yeah. scary stuff. The, um, the economy is certainly scary. The southern border is scary. What do you think about this convoy that's coming up here in a week? And what do you think about uh, Abbott's actions too? I don't trust Abbott. I think he's kind of a World Economic Forum mouthpiece. So why all of a sudden is he getting and talking like he's the you know the big sheriff in town? I, I, something tells me this is a setup. Uh, I had that feeling last week. Uh, I didn't know if anyone would agree with me or not, but that's you know it's it was my hunch in my own gut, and so I shared it. And and turns out as I started talking about it on my show, uh, others would say absolutely, I feel the same way. Others said it before I could say it. Michael, you know, as far as when I would bring him on the air, before I could even bring it up, they were bringing it up. Michael Yon, I had him on the other night from Panama before before I could even bring it up. He were, he brought it up and said, I think, I think this is a setup. And I said, really, because that's what I just said on my show the other night. I feel like this is a setup. I'm finding more and more people that feel this is a J6 style setup. I had a reporter on last night, uh, citizen reporter, Joseph Trimmer. He says he has three people inside the state government there in Texas that have told him that they think this is a gigantic setup. There's already the uh, sheriff of the area there in Eagle Pass he had interviewed saying that there, uh, and he said he has an audio of, the, of that interview, that the militia are on their way, that these militia folks are all on their way and that he this is a small town they're not going to tolerate it they they clog up traffic they're going to be dealing with it very harshly what do you mean clog up traffic if you have that many people you're gonna clog up traffic so the police down there uh are already preparing for what they fear is going to be a problem he said particularly if you have people showing up armed and then you have some uh rogue elements or some provocateurs come in wearing you know, Antifa, Black Lives Matter gear, and maybe they're not even Antifa, Black Lives Matter. Maybe they're just wearing the gear and they are paid provocateurs. Then you have people wearing MAGA gear, Make America Great gear, whatever. And that's not really them either. How do we know that both sides are not going to be uh, re represented by fake people, right? And then you start creating a problem. And then pretty soon people think the MAGA guy is getting the tar beat out of him and they come to his defense and you've got yourself an old fashioned saloon brawl like you'd see in a cowboy movie and the place is torn up this will be justification to just arrest a lot of people and then do selective prosecution like we see them doing with j6ers yeah right and torture the um the thing that grabs me lately and related to this is is maybe i was just as you were talking i was thinking there's about three instances lately lately to me that are kind of head scratchers you know i'm like well, like you said, Abbott and who's really appears to be connected to the World Economic Forum and how that's going on at the southern border. And then he leaves town, goes to India for three weeks. 
We've got, uh, which is which is kind of ironic. Maybe he can then make the excuse, I wasn't there when this thing blew up uh, down on the southern border. Uh, wouldn't that be something? We've got uh, this Judge Totenberg in, in Georgia who allowed Halderman after now, after hiding his report for more than two years after the 2020 election, which showed election fraud, suddenly allows him to present in court with a pen and just say, hey, you push this in the machine and here's how broken these machines are. You can basically scam an entire election. So we've got that. And then we've got Jamie Dimon over at the World Economic Forum saying, well, you know, Trump isn't that bad. You know, there's some good things about Trump. And he's just been nasty towards Trump his whole career. So what is behind all of this all of a sudden? Because it doesn't make sense. I, other than, like you're saying, is there a massive setup in the works? Well, I, I think you're right. And I think that they are preparing for Trump to come back in because I think they know that a lot of people are going to vote for him that never would have voted for him before. But they've had enough and they've decided, I don't care what his tweets are. I don't care if he gives people nicknames. Um, I want to be safe. I want to have the economy back that we had under him. I'll, I'll, I'll tolerate those things about him I don't like to give me the results that he was giving us. Again, so I think they know there's going to be a lot of independents, a lot of Democrats, a lot of libertarians. They're, they're going to vote for him. And we're already hearing from some of them saying this. Right. So um, I think they know he's going to come back. And so they're preparing for it. They're already starting to take away some of his powers, they say, with different moves. So when he is back, he can only do certain things. But let's 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 assume it's not that that he, they know he's going to win. Let's assume they're going to let him win. That this time they're going to let him win. Now, why are they going to let him win? Um, is it perhaps that they are going to have World War III starting before he could even get into the Oval Office? And he is going to have to come in and he's going to say, I mean, I'm not quoting him or saying what he will say, but let's assume he says, look, guys, if I'd been president, this war would have never happened, but they started it. I'm president. I have to deal with it now as commander in chief. They tore up our military. They gutted our military. I've got no choice but to put in a draft, start the draft back up. And do you think that moms and dads are going to send their kids off to war under this guy in the White House? No. But if you have Donald Trump come back into the White House and we have terrorist attacks all over this country going on and they know and found out it's Iran doing this or it's, as Gordon Chang said, China going after our water, going after our power grid. And if we find out that this is China and, and, and Russia and Iran doing this, um, or even if it is provocateurs and agents making it appear as those, those folks did it, um, do you think that Donald Trump could get people to go ahead and join the military? Do you think you, that the MAGA crowd, the America First crowd, the patriotic crowd would say, our country has been attacked, maybe something like 9-11 or far worse? And there's that patriotic fervor under a commander in chief they trust. So maybe they want to go to war. Maybe they want to see a draft. Maybe they know the only one that can fill the ranks up is a Donald Trump. And then send all the MAGA, listen, send all the MAGA patriotic people uh, that are young out of the country while you have a standing military in the U.S. with all of these military age males inside the country. And you've just sent all the young, uh, healthy guys out of the country. And not to mention, you send them off to war 
And if you want to get rid of the MAGA people, send them to war. Many of them will never come home. And you add in that Deagle report that has 68.5% of a decrease in the U.S. population, which apparently we're on that track already with shots and myocarditis and pericarditis and blood clots. Add a world war to it. And what do you think is going to happen to the population? So uh, I'm concerned that maybe they're going to collapse the whole thing on Trump. What's ironic is that when he ran the first time, that was what I speculated. When he ran the first time, I wrote an article and I did radio and TV saying, what if they collapsed the whole thing on Donald Trump? Uh, they didn't. But, well, actually, they did. They collapsed the whole thing on him with COVID. So in reality, I was right. They collapsed the whole thing on him on COVID and they used that as excuse to prop it back up with an influx of cash like this country's never seen. So what if they really collapse it this time on Donald Trump uh, and then leave him versus leaving the uniparty to fix it? They'll they'll collapse it or could collapse it and then start using these World Health Organization, pandemic powers, health crises, uh, other things to try to continue to wear down our sovereignty and literally create conflict in America. Does anyone think that they're not trying to set up civil war? We got a, we just had leave the world behind by the Obamas. We have another one coming out April 26, 2024, about civil war in America. Um, we've got one about uh, the International Space Station, where we have the Russian cosmonauts and the, and the American astronauts in the International Space Station. I don't know if you've seen the trailer or not. And they're watching and they see the missiles are flying down on Earth with huge explosions and nuclear wars broken out on Earth. And then they supposedly both sides get the orders from their respective base camps to take out the other side. And there's a war raging in the International Space Station. Why? Between the Russians and the Americans. Why are there all these films coming out. Is this predictive prophecy, uh, predictive programming? What are they doing? I think they want a civil war so they can use it as justification to shut us down. Now, what if they, what if Donald Trump never gets into the White House? You do you have you, I don't know if you've interviewed Millie Weaver, but she has a Zoom call of all these government leftist bureaucrats saying what they were going to do in 2020. Do you think they've had four more years to organize inside the works of the central government? What are they going to do if President Trump is president elect? What kind of mayhem are you going to see from the day he's declared the winner to the day he's supposed to be sworn in? What's going to happen to this country? And then you have a constitutional crisis with a president who's going out, a president who's supposed to be coming in. And are you going to just swear him in in a back room somewhere in a secure location? What are you going to do? What's the international world going to do? What is the UN going to do at this point? Because you have one going out, one you got to get coming in. And again, maybe you can swear him in in a back room. But can you imagine? They've told us he's Hitler. They've told us he's a fascist. They've told us he's a wannabe dictator. They have. So what do you think all their people are going to do when they gaslight them? I think these are all scenarios that are on the table. I'm not telling you these are going to happen. I'm saying they're scenarios because you can see what they're doing to put the pieces in place. And I think we could be entering into a very, very dangerous time as we already are, but far, far worse than most people can yeah. even imagine. Yeah. And that's what China wants too. That's the dilemma behind all this as well, that China would love to see the U.S. explode. So would uh, the World Economic Forum. And we're hearing of these billionaires building bunkers now and all that. Here's the thing that I think would, would cause the explosion more than anything. And that would be an assassination uh, attempt. And I'm throwing it out on the table uh, with President Trump. I mean, 
you talk about you want to light a fire. Uh, you do something like that because right now, I had a, a friend of mine share this last night with me. He said, he said, you know, Venezuela, the problem they have is they don't have a Donald Trump. You know, there isn't a counterforce against these monsters from the uh, Uniparty World e Economic Forum, these elitist, you know, monsters. And so what they do is uh, we've got Trump and they know they get rid of Trump. There's nobody that's going to fill his shoes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you, you um, add in all the other threats we're facing with what's going on right now in Israel with the Gaza what is you know the derogatory term the West Bank, Judea and Samaria? You got Jordan, you got um, Lebanon there. Le uh, Lebanon's firing missiles, Hezbollah into Israel yesterday, nonstop. You've got he Tel Aviv having uh, missiles raining down on them at a pretty heavy load yesterday. Uh, you add what's going on in the Red Sea. You add what's going on uh, with. Uh, the Philippines, right now we're seeing that the United States is beefing up a, uh, a base in the Philippines. Why are we beefing up a base in the Philippines to the tune of the dollars that we are? That came out yesterday. Uh, yet we all, well, because they're probably getting ready to take on China. Are we really going to take on China or is this going to be an absolute fake scenario? Get us into a war, let China and Russia and Iran come against us, and then we get beat. Is this a whole setup just so they can beat us? And the puppet in the White House who works for the, for China, I think, set us up to go to war after gutting our military and everything else. So, oh, we lost. Well, how do we lose? Well, it was a setup, right? So you have something going on in the Philippines with these bases being built, which tells us they're moving quicker. We have uh, 33 aircraft that were right, uh, Chinese aircraft that were right around Taiwan yesterday, seven naval ships in the area. You have North Korea threatening South Korea. You have the uh, concern that China or North Korea would threaten the Philippines or Japan. And, and then, of course, with all this other confusion, we have to get involved in that. So we're spread all over the world. Then you let stuff start ripping in the US. We are so off-centered Yet we have some, I think we have some agreements with Japan and the Philippines and, and, and South Korea. And what are we going to do? We're going to start sending source resources there. How long before we're so stretched when they, China decides to move against Taiwan, we have no ability to respond. We're stretched too thin. We're already stretched too thin, right? Can we? How many theater wars can we fight? And then you add in Iran. Iran decides we're, they're going to go full on on Israel. Uh, there, there's already people in Israel with our reporter on the ground yesterday saying there's a growing number of people in Israel that want to go ahead and deal with Iran because they're backing Hezbollah. They're backing what's going on in the Gaza. They realize what they're up to. Uh, and then we had a reporter, Annie, on yesterday, our, our associate producer, reporter Annie from Iran, saying um, uh, there's about 50 million Iranians that would be on the side of the U.S. to topple this regime. So, yeah, maybe we should do strategic strikes take down this regime and let the uh let the shah's family return you know his wife is still alive his son of course so you know there there's a lot on the table right now it's pretty pretty scary stuff i mean i think we're we're really reaching a pinnacle right now in world history that's that's uh world war three is not something that's uh i've never you know what you sit back brandon and you think about this i've never heard these words before I never heard anybody talking about World War III. I never heard of an open border. I've never heard of uh, 
thousands, if not millions of military aged men allowed to walk right into our country with videos of some of these guys bragging about, you will know who I am and uh, terrorists that are walking into this country. You know, I just can't even think of some of the stuff. I've never, I see Biden uh, has sold off the U.S. oil reserves. Recently, he sold off uh, the helium reserves. That's for sale. He's selling off all this property probably to foreigners at a great price. All that steel for the wall down there. I heard he sold that to like Canada and, and pennies on the dollar. I mean, this, this, this regime, what they're doing is not pro-American and this is how you can topple the U.S. You steal an election, you in yeah. input uh, your your puppet, and holy smokes, you know, bad stuff can really, really happen. And, let, and that's what we're and facing. And then let the suicide bombers begin. Because ISIS has said what? They're going to go after, uh, the and, and, and some of the Hamas guys. They're going to go after it was in Iran, Iran. These guys all united. We're going after Christians and Jews all over the planet. And yet what happened? I think it was in Istanbul two days ago, uh, a, a church bombing in Istanbul and ISIS taking credit. So is this the beginning of the global tracking down of Christians and Jews and suicide bombers? Um, the number you remember, we have some U.S. senators that were down on the border a few months ago that said they were they they were briefed about explosives that are being found down on the border, uh, which, which would make great uh, EIDs. Um, how long before, God forbid, we start seeing bombings at churches, at synagogues, restaurants, movie theaters, football games? How many how many of our high school football games are secure in America? I mean, most anyone could walk into any of these outdoor football arenas in, you know, anywhere town USA uh, and no one's expecting anything. Right. Uh, now we have the anthrax vaccine, you know, contract with the DOD. What is that? Uh, then we have disease X they're talking about that somehow they don't know what it is, but the kill rate is going to be 20 times higher than COVID. Well, how do they know that? Right. Um, but then, as I mentioned, this these the scenario of of terrorist attacks and bombings on uh, radio, uh, TV this week on General Flynn's um, Sunday morning show, he said, you left out one. You mentioned the restaurants, ball games, uh, uh, movie theaters, churches, synagogues. How about schools? And if you go back and you read a book called The Perfect Day, it was a book written several years ago, and I've interviewed the author many times, and it's based on what happened in Beslan, uh, the, in the former Soviet Union, where the terrorists went in there and took 300 kids and teachers hostage and wired the gymnasium with explosives. And uh, it was the heat was incredible. The children reportedly were urinating in their own clothes and drinking their own urine because they were so dehydrated um, that they, those children and those people, uh, most of them died uh, in, in when they were the commandos finally went in and raided trying to save them. Uh, and experts were saying, I was interviewing people back in 2008 uh, talking about this and the threat of the schools. Can you imagine the economic problem alone, not just the, 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 the heartache, but the economic problem alone if you started having terrorist attacks um, in the U.S. on schools in one day? They would have to shut the schools of America down in order to secure them. How are you going to find two, four or two two-man teams if you do 12-hour shifts Two men and two men, 12-hour shifts, 24 hours. That's four guys, highly trained, per school, to guard 24 hours a day. 
because you have to have the location secure even at night, right? So nothing can be planted. How are you gonna do that across the country when we can barely find police officers and sheriff deputies? So the yeah. schools are gonna have to get shut down for a period of time. If, who, who's gonna stay at home? Most people today are double, oh. you know, double income. Who's gonna stay right. at home it's, and take care yeah. of the kids? So you can see the, how about all of the agricultural and different companies that supply goods to the schools? We saw during COVID how many companies collapsed because that cash flow stopped of the goods yeah. and services they were providing to schools. So you can see the economic crisis, not to mention the yeah. personal physical crisis of people being killed on what they call the perfect day where schools are hit in one day. This, this is what we were talking about years ago yeah. based on what the Islamists were doing and, and did in Beslan. And now who knows who's here, right?